You are listening to the Curiosity Podcast, a podcast aimed at equipping future changemakers with the skills that they need to thrive. We discuss business frameworks, exponential technologies, mental health, and living the life that you want to lead. We release an episode every second Thursday and can be found at curiositypodcast.ca. Hello, and welcome back to the Curiosity Podcast. Today, we're joined with Alexa Gordich, who is a research engineer at DeepMind and has a background in electronics, mathematics, and algorithms from university. Alexa then taught himself machine learning and deep learning, and he creates videos at the AI Epiphany YouTube channel, which breaks down research papers, code, and everything AI-related. Previously, he was a software slash machine learning engineer at Microsoft, where he directly worked with engineers and Microsoft researchers from Cambridge and was primarily dealing with computer vision, digital image processing, deep learning, and video encoding. Alexa, thank you so much for being here today. Do you have anything to add to that intro? Yeah, thank you, Christina. I think that was that was pretty much pretty much it. Like TLDR would, would be that. Perfect. So our first like couple of questions are just about your career and how you kind of got started to where you are now. So what were you like back in high school and university? Yeah, so back at high school, I was a completely different person, to be honest. Like, uh, I, I didn't even know, like, I, I still didn't even know what programming is. So I was literally, my main occupation back then, I was, I think, was like working out, uh, like uh, learning human languages. So completely different personality, basically. Like, uh, I was, if, if somebody if somebody asked me, would I ever become an engineer? I, I don't think I, I would ever, like, say that. So that's great. And then. Did you kind of shift from that to university and decide where you wanted to study? So basically, how I started to how I went to electronics is it was basically a challenge. So back when I was nineteen, I, I asked myself like, what do I want to do in my life? And I pretty much didn't didn't have a clue to be honest. So it was like, okay, there is this like very difficult uh, faculty called like uh, of electrical engineering in in Serbia. And I was I, I wanted to to do and like to apply there because it was so hard. So I guess I was just attracted by the challenge. So it's not mm-hmm. like I had a like a big plan or anything. Like hey, I want I want to become like an electronics engineer or like do machine learning when I was like very young. So it, it came, I guess, very slowly and gradually. To be honest, like so I shifted to ML only when I basically finished my faculty, like maybe in 2018. Yeah, 2018 was my first exposure to ML. So it's a very long and windy journey. And then I'm curious for like the difficulty for entering the faculty it could be a factor, but did you find like you've had an easier time or a more enjoyable time with mathematics and more engineering focused like classes? Or was it kind of like everywhere you're kind of level and then you were just like, let's make the most challenging move here? I, I think it's the latter. So I, I was kind of all around the place, like very general, like a lot of things interest me. Uh, and uh, as, as I said, I, w- I was focusing on learning human languages, like working out, which is completely different than something that most programmers never do, per se. Mm-hmm. People, like engineers are usually not that good at communication and they usually don't invest too much time into developing their physical bodies. So, yeah, I, I mean, that also makes sense, like just like children are obviously much more general. And then at one point you decide to specialize. I guess that folks who usually specialize when they are younger are maybe nudged by their parents or by, by their like uh, immediate environment. But naturally we we are still in the like exploration phase when we are when we are younger. And then after university or maybe even during university, how did you transition to your first job? Like how did you go about finding it and like applying and that whole kind of situation? 
Okay, so my first job, my first official job was in Microsoft. The way I got there was through, so so, so, so let me start like this. So I was, I was first studying electronics in the university, and then I slowly started pivoting towards software engineering because I realized that uh, electronics is, is not that like a innovative and transparent like industry, if that makes sense. And so I transitioned to software engineering like on my own, basically like learning. I first started learning Android and then I applied for like a startup in, in, in Germany, landed a job there as an Android developer. And so that was my, I think my first like uh, step into this world. And while I was there, I started chatting with some of my older friends who already had like super uh, like important uh, achievements already and internships in like Jane Street, uh, Google, Facebook, all of those like fancy places. And then I, I slowly realized, hey, what, why, like, why don't I try and apply for for some big tech company? And started preparing. Uh, so, so that friend told me, hey, there is this book called Cracking the Coding Interview. And I literally, as soon as I got back to to Serbia, so from Germany, I religiously started uh, right going through the book, uh, solving all the problems. Then slowly that led to to me starting to 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 learn the algorithms, the data structures, and everything. So that was, uh, I guess, end of 2018. And then I started uh, applying. Uh, sorry, this was actually end of 2017. And so I started applying for various companies like Facebook and uh, NVIDIA and Microsoft and a bunch of companies. And then I started getting rejections, one rejection after another rejection after another rejection. And I just kept grinding because I think that's something in my, my mentality is super weird. I, I'm super attracted to something that I'm not good at. And uh, like so, so the, the more I was rejected, the more I wanted to push. And so eventually, like uh, in twenty in twenty eighteen, I got offered uh, a role after first being rejected at Microsoft. So the the second time kind of uh, worked. And then was this role remote or was it in person? It, it was it was uh, in person because it was still like the pre pandemic era. Pre pandemic, <laughs> nice. Yeah, awesome. so it was it was in person. We have a dev then, center there. Oh, cool. And then from that first job, how did you transition to what you're working on now at DeepMind? So. The thing is, when I joined there, it was the this it was the the team was called well, it had various names, but they were working on this Hololens device. So for your audience, I'm not sure how techy they are, but uh, basically Hololens is this holographic device you put it on your head, and all of a sudden you have 3D holograms uh, in the in the in the space around you, and that means you have to solve computer vision problems. And as soon as you start dealing with computer vision, that means you'll inevitably like stumble across machine learning. And so that means I was kind of exposed, but initially I was a pure software engineering role. So I was doing software engineering stuff in the context of computer vision. And then slowly, because I was exposed to, to all of these people who do this, to, to various uh, ML algorithms, I, I decided, hey, I want to start self-studying this thing. And so I started doing like the, the classics, the, the Yendrang's uh, Coursera courses and uh, started educating myself slowly. Yeah, then it took a couple of years, obviously, to to First, I was internally trans I internally transitioned into an ML engineering position, so it was more like actually training models and uh, uh, doing actual ML. And then it took a lot of uh, work aside from the from the from my like uh, daily job to 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 get to DeepMind. A bunch of paper reading and open sourcing various projects. Yeah, that's that's a really cool story. And I I read your article on how you went to DeepMind, and it was very inspiring how you managed to do that and like all the things you went through in order to do that. And you have a very interesting strategy for learning. 
which is not just like ingesting information, which I feel like a lot of people do when they want to like get into a new field. They just kind of like watch a bunch of videos. They read like research papers, but then don't do anything with it. But you have a very like strategic way of learning where you break down everything you want to learn. And then you have these like cycles and then you have like an input mode where you like learn the thing and then you have an output mode, which is I think what a lot of people don't do. So you have a YouTube channel and you write really good articles on Medium about what you learn. Thank so you. <laughs> how did you come up with this strategy of, of learning this way? I don't think it's my strategy and I don't think it's that innovative. Like after a while, when you start ingesting too much content, you're reading books, you're going through courses, you're reading papers, you're just listening to what other people have to say, you, you realize it's getting harder to retrieve the knowledge. And you realize that that whole like knowledge you're, you're, you're pushing into your brain is slowly getting uh, messy and not structured. And so I realized I have to start like using it and thinking about it and crystallizing the ideas. And the best way to do that is to either chat with someone if you happen to have the, the such a situation where you're surrounded by smart people who are interested in the same things as you are, which was not the case for me. So, so I had like uh, I had to to start writing uh, that that helps like tremendously, like just crystallize the the, the thoughts. And so just filming the videos that, that forces me to, to well, first to read the papers, which is for most people super boring and it's not the easiest of activities. So like it was made like a mental hack almost to to, to force myself to, to learn and to explain to others. And I mean, I'm definitely not the first person to say that teaching to others helps you consolidate your own knowledge. So I guess that's the, the same uh, thread of, uh, of thought there. And projects as well, like just coding, because most people end up especially like in my university, most of the courses are very theoretical. So you read a lot, you you do all of that, but there is a, like a much less effort put on, on, on coding, developing actual stuff and uh, making the code useful. That's also a way of consolidating your, your thinking, like what you're trying to like express your ideas in code, just a different modality, but, but a sim very similar thought process. Mm -hmm, for sure. And that's interesting. So in essence, like if you're in a situation where you're not necessarily surrounded by people that are into the same thing you're into, for example, for machine learning, coding, writing articles and making YouTube videos, is like a great way to like structure what you're learning. And then an added bonus of that is like people can stumble upon it and like learn from it as well. And then also like learn about you from it. Your YouTube channel in particular, I stumbled on, I think on like two years ago or like one year ago. And it really mm -hmm. helped me get into machine learning. I mean, well, I, I'm super uh, happy to hear that, by the way. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I watched a couple of your research paper like reviews like a while back. So like when you were creating this YouTube channel, was like the main purpose, though, just for you to learn or was like also just to share knowledge with everyone else and like meet likewise people? Yeah, there was a bunch of motivations behind it. Obviously, it's never it's never a one one motivation. Um, I th I think for me, it, uh, the 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 last trigger came from Gary Vaynerchuk. So he, he was very bullish on saying people, hey, start your own thing, start creating content, all of that. And so, even though I don't agree with him on on all things, I I definitely think he has some valuable advice to to, to give to people. So I think he was my last trigger, but I was. This was kind of cooking in me for, for a couple of years, I guess, like somewhere there, there in the background. And uh, so, yeah, one of the motivations was I'll learn like, so it's a win-win situation. I'm, I'm teaching others something, so I'm helping them. I'm also learning much better. And it's also a way to to build up the credentials, which I did not have back then, like, because not 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 studying at Stanford or MIT or like just studying at the... Uh, less lesser known university, it helps to have whatever additional credentials you can get. 
And so just kind of showing people that that uh, I understand this thing and that I'm putting in the effort and all of that is also a win situation for me. So again, there is always multiple multiple facets to to to, to why I started it. But uh, for sure. And then I kind of want to circle back to where you're talking about like your education and like you know doing that in something that's like not like an Ivy League school. So especially in an age where like you know it's post pandemic, a lot of like companies, especially in tech, are hiring remotely like a lot more companies are hiring all around the world. And so now there's like a more opportunity for people where they normally would not be able to do that can get a job at these cool companies. However, you kind of alluded to this, which is interesting where it's like the education there is like very like hard. It's like you learn a lot, but you don't really get as much like practice. That's what I'm like understanding from what we're talking about. So if you could like change a couple things about like, you know, your undergrad experience, like what would that be to make it easier for you like now to get a job like an international company hmm uh so i i guess i guess like what the future of education should look like in my opinion is like it's always the case that we have a power law in the sense you always have a couple of best teachers in the world and by the very nature of how like physical contact looks like you, you simply they will not they will never teach to you, to you like uh, directly personally. So I think it's much better a concept to to create a MOOC, so like a massive online course, and uh, share the knowledge from the best experts in the world online, like publicly. And then I think that our teachers should have more of a like like almost like guide us and show us, hey, like of course they have to have some domain knowledge, but I think most of all, like of all, like they have to be good pedagogues. They ha they have to know how to to uh, like spur your curiosity, how to get you curious and interested for science and for engineering or for whatever. Like they just, their, their goal should be to help you understand your, where you're good at and what interests you and all of that. And so I think some guidance like, hey, there is this Coursera, like you notice that your like, student is interested in biology and then you maybe uh, tell him about, or her like about like this edX course from Eric Lander. Like for example, if you want to learn more about biology and stuff like that so just being exposed to to th that type of information is super valuable and that's something i missed i have to kind of i had to uh learn that on my own uh, slowly gradually by osmosis by just being online uh, and then from one video here one thing etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that's 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 what is important because like over the last years, we had more and more courses from the top universities like MIT, OpenCourseWare, Stanford, best schools and best teachers teaching. So the knowledge is out there. It's just it's hard to, to find it. And especially when you're younger, when you're in high school, when you don't know anything and when you're coming from a, like a, a third uh, world country, it's, it's harder to, to get exposed to that. Yeah, for sure. So it's like learning how to learn and like learning about like all the different domains you can learn about. So not just like, you know, you can be like a doctor, an engineer, it's like more specific things you can do within there. And then also like exposing people to like tools they can use online to to learn. I'm curious if in countries where English is not like the first language, uh, if it's harder to access these resources that are online, if like English is not taught in like elementary school or in high school. So like, is that the case in like Serbia, for mm. example? That's a, that's a good point. Um, I think in Serbia, we like we learn English since like very young age. We start in elementary school. So I think most of my peers do speak English. And so it's I mean, there there are some people who I, whom I know that that don't even speak English. So it, uh, it's definitely not equal equal like opportunity compared to like people who are who are born in English speaking countries. 
that's definitely a hurdle. I agree, and I'm not sure what to do about it. So, so I, w- I was I was alluding to these the best MOOCs, but they are all in English. That's true. But I think like like getting to AI a little bit here. Like I think some of the recent advancements in in machine translation. So that means translating from a, a one human language into another. It's getting better every day. So Meta, uh, X Facebook, uh, recently they 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 I think they open sourced this model called NL. LB, no language left behind. So, and it's translating between, I think, 250 language pairs. So, yeah, so it's, 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 it's getting more and more accessible. So, I, I do believe that at one point in future, even if somebody creates the, the content originally in English, you can easily translate it into a different language and then people can consume that. And the gap will slowly reduce. Like initially, it's going to be maybe, oh, you have 70% of experience of, of the person who actually speaks English, but then it's going to be 80% and then it's going to be 90%. And so I, I think I think we, we can close that gap. And I think technology is the only way we can do that. Like Yeah, that's a very exciting, I guess, opportunity that's coming for, like I guess, everyone around the world. Especially like uh, for me, I learned a lot of like math uh, from Khan Academy. It's like a website. And they had translations from a long time ago to like a bunch of different languages. And I thought that was like so exciting because it's like, if you don't know elementary math, like, you know, you, you got to know that. And then you have this opportunity for everyone. It's it's really great. Yeah. And then speaking of like projects in machine learning, like one of the things you did, as we kind of talked about before, while you were doing machine learning and learning about it, is you build a bunch of projects and you were looking into like specific, you know, areas that were interesting to you, such as like neural style transfer, uh, deep dream and generative adversal networks. So when you were deciding what projects to build for that, like how did you go about deciding what mm-hmm. you were going to build? Okay, so for me, it came naturally because I was um, genuinely interested and curious about computer vision, all things, images and videos. And so that because like I didn't tell you this, but back in, in, in my faculty, one of the best courses I ever had was digital image processing. So that was a good background for this whole story and later Microsoft and landing in, in that team. So I was just exposed to a lot of like videos and images. And so like I, I was I was attracted to obviously starting with, with much more visual projects and neural style transfer and deep dream are as visual as you get because it's literally about generating an actual image. Uh, so so it was natural to start with, with neural style transfer. Also when I was like uh, learning uh, Coursera courses back in 20, end of 2018, I learned about neural style transfer back then. And so now it was just, oh, I, I really want to explore a bit deeper into what this is, how exactly this works. And so I got it, coded it up from scratch, uh, just playing, tweaking with parameters, understanding how the algorithm works, reading the papers, all of that. And then after neural style transfer, Deep Dream also caught my attention a couple of years before. And so I decided I want to, again, invest more time into understanding how Deep Dream works. And then from there, I, I was uh, aware that, so back then GANs were all the hype. So that's the generative adversarial network, um, which basically um, the, the whole point of that network is to generate realistic images. And so back then I was not I was not familiar with how that works, with how the, the networks work. And so I decided, well, that's my next topic then. So so then I, I took a couple more months to, to, to learn about GANs. And yeah, from there I was just like following the gradient of my curiosity as well of the of the of the what's 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 trending in the sense that it's not the Fed, but it's something that's actually like community is finding this valuable. So that was I think that was Transformers were my my next topic. So and then I, I ended up doing Transformers, and then after that 
geometric ML it was getting popular and, and like people were finding super cool use cases for various scientific applications. And I was like, okay, I want to learn this. And so that's how I was gradually getting from one topic to another topic to another topic. Some things were happening along the way, some things I already knew up in, in advance. So when I was starting, I already knew I'm going to do neural style transfer, deep dream and GANs, but I'm not sure that everything else was probably hazy at that point of time. So that was like early 2020 mm -hmm. pandemic started and all of that. Yeah. Uh, so it's like definitely following your curiosity on that. And something you said that's interesting is like you took a kind of like a first principles approach when you were learning, like you like learned from kind of like the ground up. Um, so you like rebuilt the whole project on your own, for example, and stuff like that. So like for ML, I guess the first principles of ML is like being able, well, one of them, I guess, is like having a good software engineering base. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to know like how you built like your software engineering base and like how much do you think is enough of a software engineering base before you can get into machine learning? That's a good question. And I'm not sure I know the right answer. I can give you some some ideas on, on that topic. So, so on one hand side, I think that literally in two weeks, if you if you get started with Python, like and do do something in like two three weeks, if you like if you didn't have any exposure to programming whatsoever, I think that even after two three weeks, you can already start with ML, because many of the ML courses also include you will have to learn software engineering as a side thing. So if you start doing Andrew Yang's Coursera courses, you'll inevitably learn about like programming concepts. So so that's that's one. That's one side of the coin. But on the other side, if you have enough time, I think it's super valuable to invest some time to build the fundamentals. Because ultimately, all of ML is it's a subset of software engineering. You're still you're still building some code and like around these neural networks, like you, you still have to have a bunch of code. That's software engineering. You have to take in the data, you have to process the data, you have to uh, then parse the outputs of your network all of that. So I'm now throwing, uh, yeah, maybe two technical words, but uh, you basically like need software engineering, whatever you do. And the better you are, the easier it will be for you to uh, pick up, pick up um, ML concepts. So, so, so yeah, like if, if you have enough time, definitely try and learn about fundamental computer science topics, learn about algorithms and data structures. Uh, learn the, the the basics of of software design, what an object-oriented programming paradigm is, uh, and a couple of other ones like functional maybe. And so yeah, some thoughts. Yeah, for sure. And then so for me, I when I started programming, like to a complete beginner, it's really like daunting to look at how much programming there is and how much like software engineering there is. So like I feel like a lot of times like defining the fundamentals is like difficult. So I'm just really curious about your perspective on this. So. A lot of like machine learning stuff is built like in Python, um, and then like Python is built on C. So like there's the whole like should you learn C as well to like understand how to make Python more efficient, or like should you look into like different paradigms, et cetera, et cetera. So like, what do you think is like you know a good like base, and then like when should you build on that base? Like would you you know you learn yeah. machine learning to yeah. go back? That's 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 such a complicated question because I, I was I always wanted to, I, I I didn't like the concept of a black box. That's that's the reason why. So a black box is when you only know like the input and output. You don't know the internal mechanisms of of a system, and that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to electronics as well. Like I wanted to understand how computer works, how computer works at the at the fundamental level. I want to know what transistors are, uh, transistors are what what like how digital circuits are, circuits are built, all of that. And there is a so the problem with with computer science systems is there is so many layers 
there you can always go more deeper so when i started studying electronics i realized there is this thing called physical electronics and then you're dealing with atoms and fundamental physics and i decided okay enough is enough i'm going to stop at this level of abstraction and i'm going to start my 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 path uh, like up like basically towards higher levels of abstractions so i was literally doing electronics and then on top of it you can literally have code that's running directly on on a piece of hardware without supporting operating system so i was doing that like i was programming microcontrollers so so-called so embedded uh, programming um and then on top of that you have operating systems so so, so somebody actually spends their days uh, improving operating systems such as linux and 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 well windows etc cetera, etc cetera. and then on top of that you you now have the the application layer and then so the software and like the, com the compilers that translate from higher level programming languages into like there is so much complexity you have to kind of cut somewhere and i think it's it's completely fine to to just start with python like start with python you you don't have to care about c you don't have to care about uh, all of those like compilers all of that that, that that's ideally hidden from you and I, I i think that's if you're just trying to get into ml definitely do not do not start from electronics don't, don't you don't need to care about operating systems you don't need to care about compilers you don't need to care about c you don't need to care about c plus plus or java just start with python that's it start with python like maybe invest uh well depending on, on your ambitions maybe a bit more or a bit less but like start with python and then work your way from there mm -hmm, for sure so maybe just like yeah learn the basics of python for a bit and then like see where your curiosity takes you try to learn the fundamentals of machine learning. You're a big advocate for learning the really good papers that like advance machine learning forward really well and then like build from there. So maybe those are like a few good, I don't know, action items if you want to like get into machine learning. Yeah, but pap papers are already probably a bit more advanced. Like you definitely as a beginner who who just started with programming, you, you don't want to start you don't want to open a paper. You you'll 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 probably get sick of, of the field and quit. Papers are like people papers are I don't know compilers of machine learning world i don't know it's a bad analogy but like they, they are they are like written by researchers for i don't know for maybe other researchers potentially but not not even that oftentimes papers are so like hard to read and sometimes intentionally obfuscated so they are hard to read and sometimes people intentionally make it harder so they can pass the, the the reviewing processes for conferences. So they add the math formulas just because that makes it look more fancy. Even though by doing that, they literally ruin the whole point. The point is to transmit the the the, the main information, the, the main concepts you wanna you wanna transfer to other people. And so don't start with papers, but but at one point of time, you you will have to 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 start reading them and after a while, it becomes becomes easier. For sure. So if you were like talking to a complete beginner. Like, what would you say, like, the first three things? So after what? After, like, learning Python? Where should they go yeah. after that? So, uh, uh, well, definitely. So, so 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 I literally wrote this blog on how to get started with ML. So, so that would be, that, that's the first resource I can appoint people to. Because I get asked this question so much that I'm, like, my my, my, my default response now is just, like, I copy-paste the link. Uh, but, like, a TLDR of that blog would be uh, either start with Coursera courses from Andrew Eng or do Jeremy Howard's uh, Fast AI course, which is also amazing. And I think he recently published the newest version. So that's a great like uh, resource to, to start with. Uh, once you finish mm -hmm. the, 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 those, those courses, maybe a suggestion would be start building something uh, from scratch on your own. So it doesn't have to be a paper implementation. It can just be whatever, like take an existing GAN repo 
tweak like tweak the code, play with it, try and generate something novel, just explore what's out there and 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 try and be a bit more pragmatic. I think we often fall into this trap of just like reading, 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 and there is this new book and there is this new course and all of that. I think at one point of time you just have to cut it and start building stuff, and then then it's going to be a very iterative journey like you have to to okay so now i'm gonna read papers and blogs and, and this but then i'm gonna start coding again and then you just start mixing all of that to to start building up that knowledge of, of machine learning and I, I think it's a fairly it's a very meta thing like it's a very similar strategy for whatever you're trying to learn yeah and then when you were learning machine learning i'm curious if like that was completely on the side because like my understanding is you were working at microsoft at that time so mm -hmm. it was like did you have some time at work to learn or was it all like kind of like after work when you were like kind of putting in the time. Yeah, mo most of it was in my, in my free time. Uh, wow. so, okay. so 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 it's very hard when you are working at a big tech company. You, you if you if you if you happen to be unlucky and you end up doing something that you don't really care about or or not that passionate or maybe it, there is a lot of oscillation. Sometimes you get the tasks that are interesting, but then there is th three months of a period where you're doing something that sucks and you don't really care about it. And so it's very hard to learn uh, when, when you're already working in, in the industry, unless you're working directly on what you want to learn. So if that makes sense. So I was learning by osmosis some things, but the bulk of the things I learned was in my free time. So you, you literally never encouraged uh, to, to read papers because that would not contribute to me executing my, my job better. So it would literally not improve my my performance on my job by reading papers, because ultimately in the industry, like I don't know, sometimes you're just like using some some you're not using the state of the art research oftentimes when you're building products, and I think that makes sense because research is oftentimes takes a couple of years to 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 get uh, well stable and 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 feasible on modern hardware. So so yeah, I did have to 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 learn a lot of the uh, most of the things basically in my in my free time, but luckily. That's the well, the, the 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 good thing about this pandemic. If we can say one thing was good for me, it was that basically, well, you, you couldn't socialize. Uh, you you were locked up. We had lockdowns in Serbia, so literally we had curfews for the first four months. You could literally get outside for an hour and a half or something if you had a dog, and I happened to have a dog. So, <laughs> so so yeah, basically, I took all of the time to 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 literally. Uh, work my ass off, and um, and so I did that. Nice. And then I'm just curious if, when you were doing that, like, was it out of mostly curiosity, or did you have like the goal of like, hey, I want to actually work in machine learning by like X date? Like, how did it kind of work? Because you were, is it very like hard, I guess, to work full time, and then after that, like, do very intense like work on the side, and then yep. you went through like a very fast learning curve, in my opinion. So I'm just curious, like, what made you that driven to like learn that all by yourself? I, I was always super ambitious uh, and 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 hardworking, and so this was the first time in my life where I focused my I channeled all of my energy into a single field because, as I said, I was very general throughout my whole life. I was like literally doing unrelated topics. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing pull-ups and handstands in in the park there? Like, and and mathematics and like and languages and all, like it's completely unrelated. I mean, and then of course th there are some meta things you can kind of. Uh, extract from all of those skills, like similar principles. And then this was the first time I literally channeled all of my energy into a single thing. And and then that's why the, the curve was so steep, because like this was the first time in my life I'm actually doing one thing. And like, oh, well, not not like literally one thing, but for the most of my time I was doing that. And so, so 
basically having acquired all of those meta skills of how to learn efficiently, how to, to organize my work, how to structure my time, how to uh, combine uh, breaks with work and all of that. Well, I'm still learning that part, but with all of those meta skills and then having so much time and focusing it in, on one particular thing, I, I literally managed to, 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 to do that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's very like inspirational how fast you you learn that, and I'm also just curious about like how everything you did kind of like led up to that. So, would you say that like the skills you acquired like throughout your university and also like the languages you did and like the calisthenics, etc., um, do you think that gives you a certain like different angle and thinking in like the machine learning world or in the software engineering world? Because like oftentimes like people don't have those experiences. So, do you think that somehow like you know benefits you? Even in like just making YouTube videos, uh, mm -hmm. like given the fact you know language, you can like make them more engaging, etc. Hundred percent. I mean, if if you're so, I was what whatever I was doing, I was trying to get world class at that thing. So I'm just obsessed. Whatever I do, I really try and do it the best way I can. And so when I was learning languages, I, I got obsessed of how I can improve my my learning efficiency. And so so literally, so like a brief story there. For example, with German. So uh, it was second year of my high school, and I had, I think, almost the worst grades uh, possible. So, so we have a scale is from one to five. I had two. Like one is the worst. So I had two. I was like, okay, I, I have to start learning this. And then I, I don't exactly recall on the spot how it started, but I just started like reading first the 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 the, the school uh, the books, and then. I slowly started listening to music and then my, my mobile was in German. And then I literally went to the library, took some children books in German, started reading the books. Every single word I would not understand, I would open up a physical dictionary uh, and uh, look up the word and then continue iterating until I finished the whole book. And then I'd have a list of words and I would go through the words again. I was just obsessed. And uh, after literally, I think, Literally three or four months, I, I had five, and I was the best in my my, my class. So it's it's that easy. The, the thing is, it's that easy to become like the best at something because most people never focus that much. And when you start obsessing over something, you get stellar results fairly quickly. And so, literally, what ended up for me when it comes to German is like I, I read thirteen books. The rest, the last one was Hermann Hesse, like the the famous German uh, writer. And so that's like Der Steppenwolf was the last book I read. The, 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 what's, what would be the, the name of the book in English? I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, basically that's like that, that's like probably for well-educated Germans to read. And I was able to read the book and understand pretty much 90, I don't know, 99% of the words and everything. But it, it took a lot of effort, a lot of iterations. And, and so, yeah, so, so I developed the meta skills. So doing, doing that, I developed the, the, the same exact meta skills are necessary just like swap the, the the German for machine learning, and you do the same thing. Obsess over it. Learn every single word. Like you you read a paper, there is this word you don't know. Okay, go Google it. Find what the word means. So it's a very similar, very similar like structure for learning whatever. Like you you have to obsess. You have to put in the time. You have to be consistent, and that's it. Like the the results like have to come. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's like a lot of times people see a very big task such as like learn German or like learn this and they get like daunted by it. And then they just like, don't even think it's possible, but like it is, you just gotta like, you know, do these like simple things. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I, I, and I have a lot of strong opinions on languages. Like a lot of people say when you're older, you can't learn the language. And th that's simply not true. It's, it's about bad approaches to learning languages. So I, I, I think 
Like I think anyone can learn language at any point of their time if if they use the, the right methods in a, if they invest enough time. The problem is you cannot learn a new language when you're 40 if you invest like a uh, two hours per week. That that's not enough. You have to put much more effort. But if you put a lot of effort, if you if you literally immerse yourself into the language, by but like then you have to learn it. Like it's it's that easy. Yeah, I would actually be curious, like really quickly, what the the principles are to learn languages. If you have like a list. So the problem is the school gets it completely the, the like uh, incorrectly. You, you start from like learning the grammar, and you start you start by reading and writing and like learning like about all of these uh, how do you conjugate a verb or this and that. Like I don't even know my terminology anymore. <laughs> but uh, the the point is, how did you learn your 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 native language? You were literally playing, imitating, speaking out loud, playing with the language, listening and engaging in conversations with real humans. And most people have the, the mental barrier of, of, of uh, when you're still at the level of being, well, very bad with language, you're reluctant to start speaking with natives because they will make fun of you. And so there is literally the, 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 that type of, uh, you're blocking yourself from succeeding. So if you manage to get into the right mindset and immediately like learn, learn, learn some, read some books like during the day for two hours and then go out to a pub with native speakers and chat with them like for for an hour or and and do that every day and you'll see what will happen like if you just like listen to music and if you listen watch movies and all of that and so so if you focus on listening and speaking instead of writing and and learning the grammar you'll just see the miracles so i think that's what we get wrong we will literally mm -hmm. go the opposite way you, you like when you were learning the native language you started from speaking and listening and then you transition to writing and, and and reading and learning the grammar but you already know that you already knew the grammar implicitly you were you were doing it correctly and then you just need you, you realize okay there's a couple of things i have to tweak oh i was making this mistake for seven years but yeah so that's what that's what grammar does but the grammar is like a like a cherry on top of of the cake not not something you should start with in my opinion that's that's how i think about language yeah learning. for sure language is for communication first and foremost especially you're like learning alter languages like not just like your first name tongue but yeah we're wrapping up we're nearing the end of our podcast but thank you so much for being here but before we like end it um we will get like three action items from you so anything you would just want to leave like listeners with so I, i'll assume your your listeners are ambitious and so they are trying to achieve something in life and so one advice would be pick what, whatever you're trying to achieve work on that thing almost every single day if not every single day so be very consistent and tenacious don't like n never give up like even if you feel oh oh i feel i don't feel so good doing this today like what what not be try try and be stubborn and develop that type of tenacity. Uh, I think that's that's literally number one predictor of success. If you're tenacious, that's much more in, important than if you're intelligent. I think both are important. Like if if you're just tenacious, then you, you might be just pushing the wall for two years, and that's stupid. So that would be, I guess, first meta uh, meta advice. Then the second one would be when you're still in high school and like. Um, try and and be be in this explorative phase like try and learn about various topics just get get a sense of what's out there in the world i think that that will be another another advice uh don't commit to something too early now this obviously will not be a good advice for everyone because some kids literally specialize when they are 5 years old they start playing chess and at the, you, you, like age 12 they are already like world champions but uh 
not everyone is like that. Not because they're less intelligent. I, I think it has to do I, like also one thing I'm, I'm I have a strong opinion on is that geniuses like they don't exist. It's mo it's mostly like it's it's mostly nurture. I mean, it's highly debatable, but yeah. So yeah, I guess that would be a second piece of advice. And then so so like I said, uh, be consistent. Uh, try and explore things. And then the third thing would be. Well, once you find out what 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 is when when you find something where you are relatively good and that something is valuable for other people and you are passionate about that thing, so there is this like very famous Venn diagram. And so, if you find that sweet spot, then obsess over it. You you need to you need to have a period of your life where you're obsessing at and becoming an expert at one thing. If you just try and always be in this super broad stage of your life, you'll probably it's hard to get anywhere. So even though you're super if, if you're super general, still try and force yourself to do this. And then later in life, once you succeed at that something, you can then start being a bit more explorative again. But you, you have to try and 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 um scope down your interest. So this is as if I'm telling this to, to younger Alexa. So those would be some of, of the tips I would give to myself, I think. Those are those are great tips. And it's interesting how you said like, you know, try to explore, but then at one point like, you know, really, you know, go deep in one topic and really learn it well. And yep. thank you so much for being here today. Uh I remember watching your videos a long time ago. Uh and yeah, I really appreciate everything you're doing. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Christina. Thanks for the invite as well.